Amen. You can be seated. I'd love to go around and hug everybody. You know, I'm a hugger, so it really gets me. Man, you know, I didn't know exactly what they would share because I know them so well, and so many of our other, uh, you know, multicultural families here sitting around, it's here. Uh, but I know a lot of their stories, but you guys did a great job, man. That was vulnerable. Was that awesome or what? You know, some things that I take for granted, you, you, you mentioned, I just, you know, I would have said, man, you still got to do that, you know, but I'm not the one that has to do it, right? You are. And uh, I think that helps me to understand that. And what I love about Paul and Andrea, and here's the key, guys, you can, you can have the largest building in the city one of two ways. You can build it, or you can tear everybody else's building down that's bigger than yours and make yours the tallest, Right? And what I love about them, they're inclusive. They're sharing their vulnerabilities. They're giving us an inkling of what they experience, what they feel, and what is their reality. And the, and the thing I want everybody to do, no matter what your race is, don't tear someone else down to make yourself stand tall. But do this for me. Here's the live enemy. Don't tear yourself down to elevate someone else. Because if you tear yourself down to elevate someone else, no one can come up together. And what I love about what they're talking about is, hey, this is what we deal with, but we're in this together. And because we are a family, we all rise together. And that's very important during this time and the balance. Because as, as Paul says, you know, this is a, you know, I dealt with affirmation as I've shared because, you know, my dad died when I was three months old and my mom worked three jobs at one time, usually always two. You know, I had one little pair of plastic tennis shoes and two pairs of pants, a couple shirts and, you know, a nickel for milk. And I know what it's like to be that kid. I know what it's like to, you know, live in par- apartment after apartment, live in a trailer court. I've done it all. I've been in all of it. And then later on, we were blessed, but those first 12, 13 years were very formative years for me. And, you know, I, I could understand some of, of, of the, the, the things that come at you. But here's the choice. We all have to make a decision who we're going to be and how we let events and lives affect us and what we do with that. And I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of these guys and others like them that said, we, even though we don't always know if we're affirmed or not, we're still going to just live like we are affirmed. And I think it's, it's almost like fake it till you get it kind of thing, amen? And, uh, and I believe that this is such a season where we need to affirm one another. We need to go out of our way to love one another. We need to go out there. And if somebody tries to talk themselves down to you, you correct them and say, no, don't you talk like we're all in this together and we're going together. Does anybody believe that this morning? Um, Whenever I went down to, to the rally, you know, I'd never been to a rally like that, you know, and uh, it was pretty crazy, but the Holy Spirit dealt with me, especially after preaching last Sunday, I told you all, you know, God's given us a new anointing and we got to practice it and we've been gifted and anointed to go to the next level or be a new anointing, a new, be, not a next level, a new realm, but we got to exercise it because gifts grow by the reason of use and the Holy Spirit earlier in the week says, you need to go down there to the rally, and I'm like, well, Lord, should I? What would that say? What would that not say? He said, it don't matter what it says to others. It's what I said to you. See, that's why I'm not nervous when I talk to you, because I'm answering to the man. And then when I get to heaven, I got to answer again to the man. So I don't, you know what I mean? I want to get it right here so it's right when I get there. I don't want to be somebody's doorkeeper, amen? I want to be over my own city. But anyway, that's another teaching. I don't have time for that. So, uh, so as I went through that, and then I said, well, what am I to do? And I thought God was going to give me this list, Paul, laundered. You do this. He said, he said do two things. He said, just do first, listen. Second, pray. I said, well, you know, I can do that. I could talk. No, listen and pray. So that was my intention when I went down there. And then when I was asked by the young leaders to pray through Chris's relationship where he'd been down there and and uh, I said, sure, it'd be an honor to pray. And I'm like, well, I don't know if all these folks are going to receive this white boy preacher up here, especially a little bit of a hillbilly anyway. I don't know. I'm older. You know, I'm not the young guy. And as I was talking to one of the young leaders that was doing it, she said, you know, we've never prayed at the beginning of a rally. 
She said, but I grew up in church. I'm not really in church, but I grew up in church, and my dad's a pastor in Somerset. And she said, I just felt like something's missing. And she said, I just felt, I told everybody else, we just need to have a clergy pray. And I said, well, that's an honor. That's a, that's a good decision to do that. She said, I just feel things are going to go much better if we'll just pray before the rally. I said, I, I agree. So, so I got up and began to share with them, you know, the, that where they're at right now, what's making a difference is this city is 99% more peaceful than any other city that I know of that's a major city that's dealing with this. Now, it's got its imperfections. You always got a few. You got this or that. But all in all, it's pretty amazing how well they've done. And I looked at that age group, and it was about 17 to about 26, 27 that was out there, hundreds of them out there. There was not very many people my age. There was a few, but not many. And God just had me encourage them some. And as I began to pray, man, they began to clap. And one of the young men said, well, well, the clergy's going to pray. Everybody get down on one knee. So it was like, I was like, okay, yeah, everybody get down on one knee. So they all get down on one knee. And, man, when they got down, I'm real sick. Here. When they got down on one knee, you felt, didn't you, Paul, the anointing. Whoosh, the whole park at the courthouse, all different races, ages, backgrounds, on one knee at an event the devil thought he was going to cause havoc in. And when we prayed, and I prayed and released that anointing, man, they began to cheer when it's over. When I was walking through them, they were smiling and hugging me. They, they were so excited. And that was one of the first, that was the first night, I guess, that it was the most peaceful of all the nights uh, because of prayer. And then we went through and prayed with the police officers. And we went and went to their cars and thanked them. And, and when I prayed, I prayed to protect our police officers and first responders and all the participants and protesters. Protect everybody, God, so that people can listen and people can be hurt. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. To me, it wasn't that big a deal, right? I wasn't nervous because I pastored a youth group 30 years ago of about 900 started with 23, and it eventually got to 1,500. Of 900, that was 60, 65% black. So, I, I mean, to me, a lot of this, I'm like, what's, what's going on? What's the big deal? But I've been kind of have to retrain myself not to take it for granted just because I don't feel that way. It doesn't mean that other people don't or they don't understand. And so it was not difficult for me to do that. Uh, and it's not difficult when I don't really care what people think versus what God. I care, but not what God thinks is first. And, how, and so I'm so thankful that it's had the impact on Paul and others, and that's my goal, my heart, to listen and to be a support. Remember, guys, God set us up for this coming in. I thought it was just to do with politics, you know, several mo- a couple months ago, didn't he? And when Jesus was praying his final prayer in John chapter 17, what did he say? He said, didn't say, Father, he said, Father, I pray, do not take them out of this world, but keep them in it and keep them, make it that they are one as you and I are one, that they are in unity as you and I are in unity. Let me tell you something. Whether it's a, a friendship, a marriage, a ministry, the number one tactic the enemy does to tear it apart is disunity. Because it doesn't matter if you got a, a Ferrari and it's a brand new Ferrari and it's amazing, but if the transmission is trying to act like, you know, the tire it's not going anywhere. If the transmission is trying to act like the speedometer, it's not going anywhere. It has to be in sync, and it has to be in unity to operate. That's the same way with your friendships, your career, your ministry, your marriage, and definitely the kingdom of God. Now, as we look at this time, and I shared with you last week that this is a very prophetic time, right? It's a very prophetic time. The word, the Bible says in the end times, it's going to be what? perilous times. The, the, the definition for perilous in the Chinese language is dangerous opportunities. So we need to celebrate, you and I and all of us, that we learn together, grow together, and love, and that we understand that even though it's a dangerous time, and it's not like a dangerous time of people getting killed and all that. It's just a dangerous time to destroy relationships. It's a dangerous time to destroy families and marriages. It's a dangerous time to destroy our economy because we want an economy strong for our children and our children's children. It's a dangerous time to destroy the kingdom and, and ministry and, and all of those things. So what you got to realize is 
the only hope our nation has is you. You're it. You're the hope. Why? You're the church. The church is not this building or this property. You are the vessel of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and the Holy Spirit lives in me. I said, and somebody probably used this, or maybe they already do. I said, one day I'm going to preach, and I'm so proud of you guys. Your posts are getting way better. Give yourselves a big hand. I'm just proud of you. I just want to say that as your, as your pastor. Um, but I, I think I'm going to get a T-shirt, Paul, that says, what would Jesus post? Right? And then I'm going to get a wristband. What is it? What would, how's that? WWJP, right? Wouldn't that be cool? What would Jesus post, right? Because I think that as I shared with you last week about the agitation and the terrasso I shared with you out of John chapter 5, whenever, whenever, uh, whenever Jesus came up to what in John chapter 5? The pool of Bethesda. And, and that word Bethesda means place of outpouring, house of grace. It's where they brought their blind, their paralytics, their lame, their broken. It was basically their hospital with what little bit of hospital they had. And they would be there around the pool of Bethesda. But there was something interesting that it says, whenever the water was stirred, and that word stirred, terrasso, it means agitation, uh, uh, and, and another word, I forget, but mainly agitation, troubled and agitation, Whenever that happened, that meant an angel of the Lord was in the water, stirring and agitating the water. And the first sick, impotent person that got in the water was healed. Hmm. So what does that tell you? When you see the stirring and the agitation in the natural, to where it gets you angry and upset or gets you confused or fearful or worried, Step out of your intellect for a moment and step into the spirit. Not just any spirit, but the spirit that said, I have a new command for you. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. What minute? This is hard to. And love your neighbor as your. Self. I don't know about you, but I like Dalton a lot. I, I, I really, I love Dalton. I mean, I really do. I said, say, man, you, you, you getting there, boy? You looking pretty good today. You can look better, but you getting there, boy. I, I don't talk down to me that much. I used to, but I don't anymore. Because I'm too valuable to talk down to myself. And I feel good about myself. Because greater is he who's in me than he who is in this world. And if we're going to walk in the Spirit of God, then we got to treat and love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, you don't know, anybody ever lived somewhere you didn't get to choose your neighbors? They chose you, right? They moved next door. You were already, whatever. And you're like, maybe they're the loud one or they're the one that don't mow their grass or maybe they're the fanatic over the grass and judge you. I don't know, whatever. But, but, but you got to love them anyway. you got to love them anyway. Because we are to operate by the same spirit as the spirit of Christ. And he said, if you really love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, then you got to be able to love your neighbors yourself. Because you know what? God loves your neighbor. Did you know that? Jesus loved, what if my neighbor's an atheist? He loved him. He died for your neighbor whether he ever believes or not. Well, what if he lives a, a lifestyle I don't agree with? It doesn't matter. You're here to love. That doesn't mean, well, I love them, but I don't like them. That's the biggest line of church. That right there, I used to say it all the time, and now I don't ever say it because it ticks me off now. That is such a wimpy cop-out. I love her, but I don't really like her. You're a liar. You don't even know what love is. How can you love someone and not like them? Well, that's the way my marriage is. Well, you don't have a marriage. We could get counseling for you. You don't want me to counsel, obviously, because it probably wouldn't be a good day for you. But anyway, so, so if I'm going to move out of my intellect into the spirit, what spirit am I moving into? If I'm going to move out of stirring and agitation and anxiousness and trouble, but I want the peace that passes all understanding. 
If I want the Spirit operate in my heart and my mind that's greater than me or anything in this world, if I want the Spirit that operates in my life that the Bible says no weapon formed against me can prosper, then I have to be what? In agreement. Now, the Greek word for agreement, I haven't studied that in a long time. It's a lot different than our word for agreement, but it's more than a binding contract. It's becoming one as to impregnate. It's to be one flesh, one blood. So I have to be in agreement with my source before I can become a resource. Too many Christians are getting resourced out, but they're not tapped into the source. But God wants you and I to be resourced out to bring a move of God and to bring deliverance and to begin to change this world more and more from what they're talking about into what it should be. A terrasso, not out of fear or anxiousness, but out of power, discipline, and impact for God. So whenever we looked at Scripture in John chapter 5 last week, and I began to share with you, and I even asked you a question, right? Because Jesus, didn't he ask that man a question in John chapter 5 that was impotent, that had been there 38 years? When you go home, read it. I don't really want to take the time today to read it, but, man, that's some ugly writing right there, but... An awesome dude wrote it, though. Anyway, so, so I can put my writing down, but not me. Right. So, uh, so as I looked at that last week, and God put that in my spirit for you, and I began to share you how, how when Jesus came in, he brought a new season. When you see the trouble in your family, in your neighborhood, in your nation, and the nations of the world, step into your spirit person. Because your spirit is supposed to be your king and your soul the servant, not reverse. Step into your spirit man. Step into your spirit woman, the one that you are born again in, that is perfect and whole in Jesus, and begin to ask questions to God, begin to study, begin to learn. But, but here's the key, guys. As we step into that we have to be in unity with what that Holy Spirit believes and how he operates. So, as Jesus, and I'm going to talk here about the last 15 minutes on season change. As Jesus stepped up to the pool of Bethesda, Paul, when he stepped up to the pool of Bethesda, it says he went to a certain man that had been crippled 38 years. He could have went to... Hundreds of different cripples and blind and halt and withered. But he went to one man. And I firmly believe he went to that one man because that one man had sought every way he could. But he still, after he sought everybody else, he decided to seek God. And we'll see that here in a minute. And as Jesus went up to him and began to talk to him, and he looked at him, could tell you he'd been crippled for a long time. The Bible says 38 years. His family bringing him up, dropping him off, picking him up at the end of the day because... Hopefully he could get bag and get some alms or something to just sit at the house. Jesus asked him a question, and I believe that he's asking the church today. I believe he's asking every man in this room, every woman in this room, every young adult, teenager, child. I believe he's asking it for everyone listening to me online right now, and I believe he's asking it to the nation and the world. I believe he's asking it of political leaders. He's asking, he's asking of everyone. He's saying this. Will you be made whole? W-H-O-L-E. Will you be made whole? And I know without a doubt he's asking the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, you and I, the remnant of the church, he said, will you be made whole? Not be made acceptable, but exceptional. Not to be made where it's, you know, some people can come, but they know their place. No, be made whole. Do you know whole is not two or three or four parts? Whole is one. One thing, one part. And God is concerned with you and I saying, will you be made whole? Now, here's why that question is so important. When he looked at the guy and he said, 
He's been there a long time. He said, wilt thou be made whole? Well, isn't that a stupid question? The guy's thinking, dude, I've been crippled 38 years and everybody can get down in front of me because he said, what? I don't have a man to put me in the water when the water is troubled. You see, the problem with Christians, they're looking for a man. They're looking for a woman. They're looking for someone other than the Holy Spirit. They're looking for someone other than the King of kings and Lord of lords that in, when his name is mentioned, Jesus Christ, every name that is named and every knee shall what? Bow to that name that's above all names. So if you want to really fix your situation, go to the man, not a man. And he said, I, I don't have anyone. I don't have a preacher. I don't have a parent. I don't have a friend. I don't have a co-worker to put me in the pool so I could be whole. But see, he was only focused on what the church is focused on. This man was only focused on getting his limbs back. He was only focused on being healed physically. But Jesus doesn't do things one-third or 50%. When he makes you whole, he makes you whole. There's no such thing as just a healing. Well, you're saved. You'll make it to heaven. God bless you. Jesus was focused on making the man W-H-O-L-E. Whole, complete, lacking nothing. But the man, you know, Jesus played along. And he let the man stammer on why he's not getting what he thinks he should get. See, it's sad when we get to the place where we get what we asked for and it's still not enough. Anybody ever had that? You prayed and prayed and prayed and got a breakthrough and you said, shoot, I should have prayed for 10 times more than that. I'm glad God answered that, but I need 10 times more than that. But you didn't have the faith to ask for all of it. Or you didn't have the confidence God could do it. So he's asked us, will we be made whole? Not will we just get healed of division or racism or poverty or evil, but to be whole of all of it. And like Andrea said, it's not going to happen in a day or a week because events are going to happen today and tomorrow and the next week. The key is how do you handle it? How do we deal? I've watched our church through this time Deal with it better and better and better as time. The first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, Jesus, whoo, help us. <laughs> Hope we got a church in a month to watch you guys mature and adapt and come into something that's starting to become whole. Now, that's saying a lot because I don't really know of any real, very many white churches that are whole, very many black churches are whole, or Asian churches are whole, or Hispanic churches are whole. Being whole has to do with being whole. But when God can take us from different backgrounds and diversities and make us one and make us whole, that's not just natural, friend. That's supernatural. And we're moving into a terrasso, a supernatural time. Don't run from the agitation. And don't always run your mouth. Listen. Did anybody learn anything when you heard them today talk? If you did, clap. Because if you didn't, you're way, I guess, smarter than me. Because I learned that things I thought was not an issue in main areas and stuff are still an issue. That's not my reality, Paul. That's his reality. Their reality is family. But listen, changing political leaders... You all can gripe all you want about this and that When I could go back through the last 50 years and show you every one of them's missed it. And we got a mess because of the tug of war with political stuff. I know you got to vote, you got to deal with it, but let me tell you, if your confidence is in that, you're, you're just going to continually be frustrated and broken. Our confidence has to be in, and, I, and, and like she said, every system has some wrong in it, right? Bethel's not perfect. We have our faults, but especially government or, or banks or uh, uh, first responders, police, all that. Yeah, there's always going to be some of that stuff, but the key is how can we move in such a place that the heart of God comes in such a move that it begins to transform the people running the systems? You could change the systems all you want. 
But if the heart's not right, it's not going to function right. Because it only takes one idiot to blow it up. One idiot can blow it up. What we got to pray for, yeah, God, change the systems, do the systems. But the number one thing you got to pray for, God, is God, give us your heart. Lord, give us your heart. Lord, make us one with you as you are one with the Father. Lord, make us whole because you made every one of us. Everyone here is uniquely made by God. He set out, he planned you. Remember 1 Timothy 2, 9? Whom he saved and called, not according to your own. Whom he saved and called with a holy calling, not according to your own works and calling, but according to his own grace in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time began, God knew you. That word for purpose, his purpose, he created you. Prothesis is two Greek words. It means in a before location and a before design. Before time began, he planned this day out and designed you and equipped you for this day. I'm, I'm going to get into another scripture here, but before I do, then what happened? Jesus didn't say, I'm going to like, you know, pray this prayer and then you're going to feel some flutter in your body and blood flow and, and all of a sudden you'll feel a little bit of strength come back and then you'll, you'll move but in a week you'll be, no. He said, rise up and walk. He should say, you know, he could have sat down there for three hours and taught the man, I am not just a rabbi, I am the son of God. I was born in a virgin. I was a carpenter. And now, you know, I was over here baptized by John the Baptist. And then, you know, I was in the wilderness for 40 days and nights and defeated the devil face to face right there. I came out through all of Philippi and had miracles and signs and wonders. And in each city, every person in the city that came was made whole and changed their lives. That's who's here. He didn't say, you know, he didn't give the Jesus resume. See, if you've got to explain your resume before you can answer a question, you probably don't know what you're talking about. Or you're hoping you do. It's not a hope you do. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't talk. Listen. Huh? Yeah. Listen. He looked at the man, Chris, and said, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. Oh, my goodness. Rise up and take up your bed. 38 years. You imagine how limbs were drawn and withered and no muscles or anything or structure to hold a body. But the man rose because he was made whole from the inside out. And he was made whole because he believed the words of Jesus, because Jesus is the word. And that word, the Bible says, the word will quicken or bring to life dead things. The Bible says in some, one of the Psalms, it says, not only by the stripes he heal you, but it said, what else it said in Isaiah and First Peter? But it also says that thy word will heal you. John 1, 1, in the beginning was word, word was God, and the word was God. So the word quickened him. The word, when you get a word from God, if you will take a step, if you will stand like the game stand, if you will rise and stand in that word, you will be made whole. Because here's the goal. There's not anyone in this room or anyone in this nation that doesn't want an outcome better than where things are. But you can't get an outcome if you're not whole yourself. We need a church that's whole so we can do. That doesn't mean we'll wait to get whole. We're working on it. But we got to take what we are and love our neighbor and love others and make an impact. Now, that man, when he rose up, he grabbed his bed. Can you imagine that? 38 years, a guy had never walked, moved his arms, moved his limbs. And God quickened the sinew, the blood, the bone structure, the muscular system, and all that. But it took the man attempting it from the inside. And once he took it from the inside... And then tried to move physically, the miracle happened. If he'd taken it on the inside and not attempted to rise up, it wouldn't have happened. It took both. Let's let that sink in. So this is not a thing where you can just get off to yourself and pray and intercede only. You need to do that. But it's a thing, too, where you've got to take steps and action. But if you do the wrong steps and action, it sets everything back. So we have to pray as a church. Now, here's the way I believe we do it. We do it according to the scripture that when we pray 
And hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I want heaven on earth, I need to operate the way heaven operates. So, my question again is, do you want to be made whole? Now, there's a power. People say, I just don't, you know, and I see this. I see this because I said it for about an hour or two. Then I had to get corrected in myself. I didn't, I wasn't stupid enough to tell people, but I was like, God, this is crazy. How, how's our nation going to deal with this? How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to fix this? And I'm like, it's almost hopeless. I know Paul is on one of my leadership calls. We've been friends for 20 years. He's been in church 20 years, and we were talking, like Mark said, people, the, our call is people of all different backgrounds, races, and everybody's kind of sharing it. Came to Paul, the last one, and said, well, Paul, what do you think about all this? And he just started weeping. He said, man, I'm I'm over 70. I've been through all this. I've seen the riots. I've seen the segregation. I've seen the water fountains. I've been through all this, and I thought we had gotten beyond it. And now I just don't know what to do. See, that's a problem with the church. We're in here, and this is what we see and know. Because we don't take church out there. We don't take it to the workplace. We don't take it out into the community. Not church as far as a denomination or non-denomination, the ecclesia, the temple that has the Holy Spirit in it. And it's so easy. I'd kind of gotten lax too, Paul. I'd kind of gotten like, well, I would have just thought, yeah, 20 years ago, Paul, but maybe in a few places, but not, you know what I mean? It blew me away when you shared that. And, and I know you, so I know your character. And I'm like, man. I'm like you, Paul, but man, I thought we got beyond this. But here's the good news. We're going to get beyond it. We're going to get beyond it. We got this, people. We got this. We, we are the light, and we have God. And he is, like I said every day, he's greater as he is in us than he is in this world. What's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. The question is, question is will you be made whole? Now, let me give you this and show you a power you have, and I'll end with this one scripture reference. This is what I really wanted to preach today. Maybe I'll get to it next week. Everybody said, uh-oh. Here's what we are doing. We are, move, we are not moving into, we have just entered into an appointed time of greater pro- productivity. We have just moved into an appointed time of greater productivity as the kingdom of God. We've moved in. Remember I shared with you last week that we have just celebrated the third literal Passover and Pentecost ever in our history. We've had Passover and Pentecost, Feast of Weeks and Pentecost ever since the blood was put over the doorposts in Egypt when God brought the children of Israel out of slavery. Then you had the Feast of Weeks for 49 weeks. They gave their first fruits to God and honored and celebrated and worshiped God. On the 50th day of those 49 weeks, on the 50th day was Pentecost. It means festival celebration. They celebrated putting God first and and returning what's first to God and being free. And then what happened? They moved across the Red Sea on their way. Hadn't got to the promised land, but it sure beat slavery. But they got the wealth of the Egyptians, the cattle of the Egyptians. They got out. And they're at this point, look, not only are uh, over a million Jewish people who serve God wealthy as a group, and could fortify an army now, they were wealthy individuals. They were so wealthy, they, when they got stupid, they could bring gold out of their tents and put a big, melt it for a false calf to worship. Sometimes you can have money and be stupid. Stupid is as stupid is, right? Kids don't say stupid. Uh, I gotta remember who's in the room. Okay, so anyway... That's a movie, though. It's a good movie. Stupid is, stupid is. Okay. Life's a box of chocolates. So here's where I want to take you for a minute. So as you had the first literal Passover, and where the blood was not, the firstborn of Egypt all died. A plague came overnight. The death angel with a plague and killed all the firstborn of Egypt so they would free the children of Israel. God gave them six other opportunities. They wouldn't take it, so he had to do it that way. The set, and then from that point on, God said, from this day forward, you will always have uh, Passover. You always had the feast. Passover, Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, there's others too, but those main ones. 
So then we come up thousands of years later to the second literal Passover, which was what? When Jesus was crucified, right? We have our Good Friday service. We're, what's that? We're representing Passover because Resurrection Day is coming on Sunday, right? Three days later. So that was the second literal Passover. The first literal Passover moved the children of God out of slavery, abuse, and poverty into wealth and on their way with a brand new inheritance. They'd suffered 400 years because they lost their inheritance, but their inheritance wasn't just restored. It was increased. Now look at this. What happened in the second literal Passover and Pentecost? Jesus, what? Rose from the dead. Guess what else happened? He preached the gospels for 40 days and nights. And then in Acts 1, it says, He has said, Go wait on the promise, tarry for it, for surely it shall come, and you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. And what happened? Acts 2, when they all 120 out of the 500 gathered in the upper room, the others split off, 120 gathered in the upper room. When they did, it says they were praying forever how long? But it was on the 50th, on the Pentecost day, when the city was packed and people from all over the world had come back to celebrate the Feast of Weeks and Pentecost. What happened? The power of the Holy Spirit came into the people, but also fell on them as of tongues of fire, and they were baptized with fire, and they got their heavenly language, a heavenly language, not just some other language, a heavenly language. Now, without that, you wouldn't have a church, because a lot of people just try to Say it's Pentecostals celebrate that. No, Pentecost is a feast. It was, that represented also the infilling of any believer. So you couldn't really have a believer filled with the Spirit or have the Spirit live in. But it also represented not just being a believer, but it also represented baptizing the Spirit that God put in them with fire. And then they got an anointing. Not just the 12 apostles had the anointing with Jesus to heal the sick, cast out devil, but the whole 120 moms Brothers, everybody in that uh, got the anointing to, 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 to heal the sick and do these signs and wonders. Listen, 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 listen. I know I'm getting deep. I don't want to get stuck. Listen. After the second literal Pentecost, what happened? The power not just increased. It became brand new and more powerful than anyone could ever imagine. They were doing greater miracles than Abraham, greater miracles than Moses. Think about that. Now, you and I have just come through, and all these thousands, that's 2,000 years ago, we've just come through the third literal Pentecost. Because remember, and Passover, where was everybody at on Good Friday? Locked in, right? You weren't allowed to get out of the house, weren't allowed to come to church. We did get to have a little bit of drive-in church, but I count that being locked in to me. What was it? It was the first time in, in all these years, thousands of years, millenniums, that there was a literal Passover to where a plague around the world had caused people to lock themselves in. So, after the first two, Andrea, after, here's where our hope is. After the very first two literal Passovers and Pentecost, what happened? The inheritance was magnified a hundred times of the saints. Not just to inherit heaven when you die, but to have heaven on earth before you die. And to bring heaven to others before you go to heaven. So now, here's where my faith is. I believe that this literal Passover and we were having this literal Pentecost because of the plague and all the stuff going on, I believe now our inheritance is not increased but new again. Which means, can you imagine going from slavery back to freedom and wealth? Could you imagine going from empty of spirit now filled and immersed and baptized in spirit with power. You can go to the pool of Bethesda and heal the sick. You don't have to wait on Jesus. Listen, church, do you want to be made whole? Because that's the season you're living in. So here I'm going to mess you up with this one scripture and I'm going to let you go. Look at me in Daniel chapter 2. 
You guys can put it up on the screen. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 in the New Living Translation. And I'll give them a minute because I didn't give them notes. Daniel chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 20 through 23 in the New Living Translation. Now, it says this. It says, he said, Daniel said, pray, let me, let me set it up. So, so when you look earlier in that chapter, what's going on? King Nebuchadnezzar was, um, you know, the king of the world, basically. And they had taken the children of Israel captive. And uh, they had taken some of the wise ones like Daniel and others and made them eunuchs and, and had them studying there and learning there. And he had a dream. And it scared him to death, man. He, his dream scared him. So he called first his people of witchcraft, his Chaldeans, his sorcerers, all those people. And he said, bring all my wise men to me, the ones sorcerers, witchcraft, all the Chaldeans, the, Chaldeans, the spiritists, bring them all. And when they stood in front of him, yes, O king, what can we do for you? He said, I had a dream last night. And it frightened me, it scared me, and I need to know the interpretation well, O king, tell us the dream and we shall interpret it. He said, no, I'm not going to do it that way. He says, you're going to tell me what I dreamt so you don't trick me. If you don't have the power to tell me what I dreamed, how are you going to interpret what I dreamed? And they looked at him. And he said, if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you and your family. Your whole household, I'm going to wipe you out. Again, they repeated, oh, king, we can interpret the dream, but just give us the dream and we'll, no, my, my word stands. But they said, oh, king, no man on the earth can give you that answer. No man. And the king said, go back to your houses, because basically you're dead, and go around, and he told his military, go around to every house of every wise person we have in our kingdom. Bring them forth and kill them. Slay them and their families. So the word gets back to Daniel. And one of the guards tells Daniel, and Daniel's like, oh my goodness, I need to go to the king. So he said, I got to pray. That night he prayed. And he got a few of his believers with him, and they prayed, and God answered the prayer. And you know the story. He went to the king and told him what he dreamt and gave him the answer. But look at this. So here he is after he gets the answer, because he's a dead man if he don't get the answer. And Daniel said this. He said, praise the name of God. Woo, I'd praise him too if he just saved my life. Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all. Everybody say all. How much is all? All is all, right? All wisdom and power. Verse 21, he controls. Everybody say controls. He controls the course. Everybody say the course. Of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies in the hidden darkness, though he's surrounded by light. Verse 23, I, ho I hope, thank, and praise you, God, my ancestors, for you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength, you have told me what we ask of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. What was the prophet Daniel saying when he was praising God here? And I want, I want you to focus on this if you're going to be made whole. He was saying, you are a God that changes times and seasons. You are a God that changes times and and seasons because here he's a slave and a wise man but once he gave this to the king the king put him over all the wise men and a high ranking and promoted all of his people God took a season and a time of slavery and an announcement of death because they heard his voice obeyed and were made whole what happened it transformed it changed time it didn't just listen listen listen, listen to me it didn't just Change the time and the season for the good people. It didn't just save Daniel and his wise men's life. It even saved the evil, bad wise men's life. Wow. See, that's the difference in God's justice. Could have said, well, Daniel could have said, well, you, you know, you don't need any of these other folks. Go on and kill those thousands of those. We, we got you, king, from here on. But he didn't. 
Whenever you hear God, you are not only saving you and your household, you are saving the unsaved household, giving them more time and a greater opportunity to come to Christ. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than you. It's bigger than we. It's bigger than us. God is looking for a people. God is looking for believers. God is looking for his ecclesia that's ready to rise up and be made whole and bring wholeness everywhere we tread. Now here's what's interesting. The word season, he said, you, change, you God, you change the times and you change the seasons. The Hebrew word is Edom. It's actually spelled in English I-D-D-A-N, but it's pronounced Edom. What's it mean? It means appointed times and cycles of times. Appointed times is a, a point, a segment in time, but a cycle of times is seasons. Do you know we have two kinds of times that we go by in our nation? Chronos time, where we get our chronological time. Seconds turn into minutes, minutes to hours, days to weeks, and so on. But then we have charis time, charis time. Charis time is what? Seasons. It's times, it's seasons that segments are in to make a grouping of segments. It's seasons. Just as you had a season of growing up, a season of adolescence, a season of high school, college, a season of dating, a season of marriage, a season of having children, whatever your seasons have been, you, you, your life operates in seasons, and, and it possesses chronological time. So here he's saying, God, you are a God forever and you control the course and change what? The appointed times and cycles or seasons of life. So, so you can sit around and say there's no hope if you want to, and you'll have no hope. You, you can sit around and point your finger at everybody else if they'd fix it. No. Or you could say, I am a whole, W-H-O-L-E, man, woman of God, living in a new Pentecost, a new wine, and God has given me a new wine skin. I'm not trying to put my new anointing in an old wine skin because it would blow up, it would explode because it can't handle. I'm fermenting, man. I'm active. Fermentation means you're active. That's what makes wine. When the grapes start to ferment, they get active and acid and all that. And if you put that in an old wine skin that's dry and, and, and broken and crumbly and weak, it will explode. I'm telling you, there's an appointed season change we are in right now with the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous, the anointing, and the greatest miracle you're going to see is peace, love, unity, and hope. All of that is around us, but we got to have faith to access it. But we have a God that Daniel said lives in the light and still sees in the darkness. See, you got faith you don't know about. I just got to bring it up to you. You got faith that if we had, direct, had a television up here and we wanted to watch a program on direct TV, right? If you had the right receiver with the right television and you clicked it on, guess what happens? You can pull movies and music out of this room and see them through the screen on your television. Around you right now is all the unseen movies and radio shows and all that's around you right now. And, and, and the way you access it's by faith. Now, faith is a substance. Faith is the stuff in that right there you need. Faith is a substance of what things hope for, confidently expecting. Faith is a substance of the healing hope for. Faith is a substance of the unity hope for. Faith is a substance of the unconditional love hope for. Faith is a substance of the provision hope for. Faith is a substance of things hope for. The evidence of things you cannot see. We are in a brand new anointing. The greatest anointing that's been on this planet at any time. No one person is more anointed than Jesus. But why do you think he said John 14? Is he a liar? Well, if he's not a liar, he said, you would not only do the works that I've done, but you would do greater works 
that what I've done, greater works than these. How are you going to do it? You're not going to do it with your old anointing. You're not going to do it with being partially whole. You're only going to do it when you tap inside you and rise up above racism. Rise up above poverty. Rise up above unforgiveness. Rise up above bitterness. Rise up above politics. Rise up above your own opinion and your own flesh and your own ways and receive the heavenly ways. Say, I'm whole. I'm whole. I got to stop because I go in the restaurant. God has moved us. You know, so I'm not saying moving, James. We're already up to the east side, right? I love Jefferson's. I can't have it. Moving on up to the east side. Hey, there you go. You know, I can't do it. Everybody run. One of my favorite songs right now is that Lauren Daigle song, Look Up Child. How's it, how's it go? She looks up, she's like, I was going to play it, but I can't because the copyrights were on live on social media. But when she's confused, when she's upset, look up. When she don't understand and she's frustrated, just look up. When she don't feel accepted in love, just look up. That's what I'm telling you. If you don't understand totally what I'm saying today, just look up. If you don't understand people around you, news, politics, even church, just look up because your answer's there. It's not here. When you get it right there, you'll dominate this. I said, when you get it right there, you'll dominate this. That's why God said in Revelation 1 that we are a kingdom of kings and priests. We're not pawns and slaves. Jesus said, you're not a slave. You're not even a servant. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're family. You have his inheritance. I'll talk to you some about it on social media this week, and then I'll preach it. We're going, I think we're ready for you to receive the word that I have. I just couldn't get, I've had it now a couple weeks, but I just couldn't. I think you're ready. Everybody say season change. Say, this is my appointed time for new productivity. This is my appointed time for new productivity. It also refers to this, and we're going to pray. Go on, saying It refers to this. That word, the Hebrew word, idon, it talks about affecting change, bringing change, new seasons and new cycles. And what it's referring to here, it's like the menstrual cycle of a lady, right? During a menstrual cycle, you, you can't be pregnant, be impregnated. It's a season of barrenness, barrenness, right? The wilderness represents barrenness. The desert represents barrenness. Get this, and we're going to pray. Get this. So what it's talking about, when God changes seasons and cycles, you know what he's changing? He's moving us from barrenness into birthing. He's moving us from barrenness into birthing. Remember, I think the thing that really stuck with me last week more than anything I said to you was, I know we're all frustrated. I know we're all upset. I didn't say it like this. I know we're all frustrated. I know we're all upset. I know we're all looking for answers. But here's the bottom line. What kind of world are you going to leave your children and your children's children? Because if the adults on this planet don't get it right, there's not going to be a world to leave them. And I saw your antennas, boom, you just locked in from that point on. Because if we won't do it for ourselves, we'll do it for people we love. So I want to ask you in this season, do it for those you love. And do it for those you are yet to love, but you will. And realize that wherever you're bearing in your life, maybe it's a limb, maybe it's an organ, maybe it's a mental, emotional thing, maybe it's an addiction, wherever you're bearing at, the season, cycle of productivity, kingdom, heavenly productivity is available for you to access.
And God is no respecter of persons. The devil wanted to see me dead, you know, totaling three cars before I was 21 and partying out two colleges and being a total idiot. I would go back years later to visit home and people would go, man, Dalton, we thought you were dead. We hadn't seen you in a long time. Oh, and I preach up in Columbus at this church called World Harvest. Oh, yeah, I have about 800 youth and teaching a Bible college and travel around the world with men and women and go, oh, man, I never figured that for you. I thought you'd be the last one to even get saved, be alive, let alone get saved, Dalton. Thank God I didn't accept their point of view. Thank God when I was at my most broken point on New Year's Eve when I was turning 21 years of age at a housing development in an all-night party and a backslidden, drunk Church of Christ preacher preached the gospel to me for about two hours in the wee hours in the morning. I went home convicted, said, I got to come to God or I'm going to be that man when I'm 38 years old. You know what I did? I tried to quit. I couldn't quit. I tried to stop. I couldn't stop. But you know what I did, James? I looked up. I looked up. And I found my answer. And when I looked up to him, he accepted me and loved me just as I am. Not as I think I should be. Not as religion thinks I should be. Not as anyone thinks I should be. He loved me because he first loved me. Before I was born, he died for me. Before I was born, he rose for me. And if he'll do that for Dalton, he'll do it for anyone. I want to pray for you right now. You need, you need to get on Facebook and share this message. You just need to get on there and share it and share it and comment on it and talk about how it changed you. I would love to see 20,000 people. Would you like to hear 20,000 people hear their testimony and hear this message today at least? You have the power to do it. Instead of picking your favorite plant or flower or car, you could click that. I'm going to pray now bow your head. I want to ask you first, have you looked up? In other words, is Jesus not, you know, I'm not asking you've been baptized or if you attend church or signed a paper. I'm asking you, is Jesus alive in your heart right now? I'm not talking about where you used to be with God. Is Jesus in you now, alive in you now? If he's not, I'm going to count three and ask how many of you want to look up with me and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior so he can be alive in you, working on your behalf and make you whole. When I count to three, if you want that prayer, you want to be made whole, you want to look up and you want Jesus alive in your heart, if that's you on a count of three, raise your hands. One, two, three. Raise them high. Raise them high. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for you right now. You're not ready to meet God. You know it. You need Jesus right now. Amen. Okay. All of you watching online, I guess everybody's fine here. All you watching online, just put Jesus in there and someone will connect with you right now online and we'll be here for you. And you can come to Christ online right now. We're one church just all over the place. That's all. Just not in one place. How many of you now want to tap into this new season? How many of you say, man, I want to be whole. I want to tap in. I want to be a new wineskin full with new wine of the Spirit of God. If that's you, wave at me right now. Wave at me. I want the wholeness of God, the power of God, the anointing I've never experienced, the authority. Father, I thank you for everyone. Their hand raised here and in their homes or at work, wherever they're watching this broadcast. You said, God, it's a new season, a new cycle of change. Just like in Daniel's time, God, prayer changed things, but also actions. But it all initiated with you. God, change us, transform us from the inside out. God, give us a fresh hunger and fire for you, a burden to love the unloved, a burden to love those that hate us and can't stand us, a burden, God, to care for those that nobody cares for, but also, God, to love you and to love ourselves the way we should. God, God, 
turn on your light in our heart of the gospel. That we begin to see, see people the way Jesus saw them and talk to people the way Jesus talked to them and serve people the way Jesus served them. God, turn on the light of revelation in our mind and in our spirit that we can begin to hear and see things we didn't hear and see that were hidden from us. That we can know you and know your ways. Just as Moses, like the children of Israel, knew you, but they didn't know the ways of God. Thank goodness you gave them a Moses. Moses knew you and knew the ways that you moved and could lead them. But today, everyone in this room can know your ways. God, give us a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anyone that needs a baptism of the Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray in Jesus' name, you receive it. Just like you receive salvation, you just pray this with Dear Heavenly Father, I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire with my prayer language, by grace through faith, now in Jesus' name. I'm ready for revival. Come on, say, I'm ready. No, God corrected me. There's no re in this, no revival. I'm ready for the new productive move of God that is going to shake the world for Jesus. Say, I'm ready. Now, I love you. God bless you.